Welcome to Lead with Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, your host, Tash Peterson, Certified Leadership and Mindset Coach. This is the podcast for confident professionals that will help you move through overwhelm, burnout and self-doubt by sharing actionable strategies and practical steps that can have an immediate impact for you. With a mix of solo and guest episodes, I will share everything I've learned and applied over the last decade that has enabled me to create an extremely successful HR career and since then a profitable and thriving coaching business, all while blending it with everyday life and motherhood. I've also coached and empowered over 150 clients through one-on-one coaching and group programs to transform their lives and careers using these strategies. They now confidently thrive as their best selves and now I want you to have access to all of the goods too. This is the perfect spot if you're new to your career, a seasoned professional or aspiring into a people leadership role and want to lead with less so you can live and work with more confidence, clarity and energy. Hello, I am really, really excited for this episode of Lead With Less with the amazing Courtney Durr, the founder of Worthwild. We are talking all about her journey from doubt to confidence and cultivating self-worth. I'm really, really excited to share this episode and I just wanted to share a bit more about Courtney with you. Courtney is a self-worth coach who helps women cultivate a kinder, more healthy relationship with themselves. She's had her fair share of body image struggles, relationship and friendship breakups, and has found herself outsourcing her confidence to that outside of her, her achievements, what she looks like, and what other people think of her one too many times. Courtney recognized that everything she was seeking was within her. The love, acceptance, validation, safety, and respect was found when she was brave enough to look inwards. And now she is on a mission to help all women do the same. And that all comes down to cultivating self-worth, which is what this episode is all about. In this episode, we talk about Courtney's journey from PT to self-worth coach and her amazing business that she has now, how she defines self-worth and how she has cultivated it, nurtured it and protected it within herself and how she shares that with clients. We also talk about signals and signs where self-worth may be a little bit low and maybe where you might need to pay a little bit more attention and do a little bit of work to support that to grow and how that then influences your confidence and how you show up in every area of your life. Even though Courtney isn't in the corporate professional world, everything that she shares on her journey and the work that she does it's all applicable. It all applies. And I also draw links and connections to that throughout the episode. Honestly, this is a goodie. So keep listening. Let us know what you think. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Hello, hello, Courtney. Oh, it's so nice to have you here and to be doing an episode with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tash. It's, yeah, it's a real privilege to be here and I'm excited to have some good chats. (laughs) Me too. We were actually just talking before we hit record about this is the first time we've actually had a full-blown conversation. It's like, hey, would you like to come on my podcast? But I've been, I've been in your sphere for, well, how long have you been, you know, body love? What was that? Like 13 years ago, 10 years? Yeah, it's crazy that you've been following since Body Love because I just feel like so much has changed. But I I think I've been running, yeah, maybe about 12, yeah, 
10 to 12 years sort of thing, which Ooh. is friggin' wild. <laughs> and we will talk all about that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's so wild. But yeah, as we've, you know, and I guess this is the beauty of the online world, right? We jumped into literally talking about some deep like life <laughs> stuff. Like I'm going to potentially move places and like talking about buying a house and having children. And we're like, oh, wait, we actually haven't had like a full-blown conversation before. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. So it's so nice to have you here. And uh, as I was, you know, saying, you know, I love everything you do from the self-worth space and how it ties into confidence. And that's something that comes up for my clients and the people that I work with, even though they might be, you know, in the corporate space, confidence is, you know, such a pivotal part of how we show up in the world and, and what drives us to do the things and to stretch and lean into our edges. So that's what I really wanted to, I guess, soak up from you today is your whole journey with self-worth, how that's developed for you, and then how you've, I guess, like how that's transformed into now the business that you, that you run uh, all focused on self-worth. So if we just start with you, could you share your journey with us? So like your, yeah, your personal journey, your your work journey, just however you'd love to share that. I'd really love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And you can kind of cut me off at any point where you're just like, all right, cool. it's like, <laughs> or if you want to ask anything, because I used to say when people would ask me about my story, I would say, okay, cool. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. It was never brief. So, <laughs> so just feel free to cut me off whenever. Um, but yeah, as I said, I've been running a business for yeah, about honestly, ten to maybe ten to twelve years, maybe maybe longer. Um, I come from a personal training background, so that's kind of where my business started. Um, I started, I guess, when I was growing up, I was very much into sports, and something that I am just so grateful to my parents is that they just really supported me in doing whatever I I wanted to like if I if something made me feel good or if I wanted to try out a sport or if I wanted to leave school early and not do you know seventh form whatever it was my parents were just like quite I don't know I guess they just trusted me or just you know they were never like courts you should you know go to uni or maybe you should look at doing this I kind of just brought to them what was bringing me joy and they were like sweet so I'm very grateful for that and also yeah I guess maybe that was innate in, in me that I kind of followed my joy that is something that I think has been consistent from a very very young age joy is one of my core values and it is something that helps me to make decisions and so yeah it was kind of when I was playing sports, I then decided that I wanted to study sports and I never, not never, but I didn't really have this like big 10 year plan or anything like that. It wasn't like, okay, I'm going to study sports and then I'm going to become this. And then it was like, oh, this feels really good. I'm going to, and this feels exciting. I'm going to explore what that looks like. So yeah, I studied um, exercise prescription and then yeah, from there went into work as a personal trainer. But I guess through those early stages, um, I definitely had a lot of limiting beliefs about myself and they they impacted me and they were also kind of fostered in certain environments. So I guess like the first sort of thoughts were around my body and I guess like kind of coming from a sporting background where everything was about like 
what your body can do and, you know, and how doing like taking those actions makes you feel. And so it was very like functional and like present. And it was, it was, it was a really amazing way to view my body. And, and I wasn't even like consciously thinking or looking or talking about my body. It was just like, yeah, this is the vehicle that allows me to do the things that I love. So that was like really beautiful, but then kind of coming into, I guess the gym world where it, it started to, at least for me anyway, be less about what my body could do and more about what my body looked like. And, you know, that was definitely affirmed through the language that was used in the in study, but then also the language that was used in marketing and the people around me. So it was very, I, I've shared this before, but it's, I remember when I first started personal training, people were like, you know, you can't trust a fat personal trainer and like you want to make sure that your body looks like, you know, your body is your best marketing tool with all of this like very problematic shit. But it was like, I guess I was so at that age, I, I was early 20s, I was so influenced by what other people said and, you know, what they suggested I do. And so, yeah, I kind of got wrapped up in, in my body and how I viewed it and how I spoke about it. And it was kind of interesting, the tie-in that it had with my relationships with men. Um, and yeah, I think that I felt like not only the way that my body looked would help me in my business, but also the way that my body looked would help me in, you know, finding a, a boyfriend, mm. for example. And so, yeah, it was very much this about what I, what I looked like and about my surface level. And yeah, that definitely had a negative impact on me and, and in hindsight, my self-worth because um, it was very conditional it was based on something outside of myself something that could change it was based on somebody else's opinions of me which also could change so it was very my self-worth was conditional it was based on very shaky ground that could be taken away in the in the flick of a flick of an eye wait <laughs> blink of an eye <laughs> I don't know in the split second it could be taken away from me so um, yeah, so that was definitely kind of the early stages um, for me. When it started to change was when I became focused on, I, I signed up for uh, Iron Māori, so it's a half Ironman. And prior to doing Iron Māori, I had been very focused on like, calories and cardio and you know all of that and weight what 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 my body weighed and then when I started to train for Iron Māori it was like I got that glimpse of how I used to be with sports mm. and I was like and I, I found that that love again and I got excited by what my body could accomplish and and it also was about this this mental strength because the training that is involved in a half Ironman is just wild. Like I look back on it and I'm like, wow, course, that's amazing that, you know, you did that. And so it wasn't only, you know, coming back to my, how my body 
moved and what joy it brought me but it also I started to get a feel for what it what it meant to have a strong mentality Mm. yeah I think that that was really a a really big pivotal moment for me where I started to after I finished that I was like you know what the joy and purpose and fulfillment this has given me is making me not want to go back to the way that I was and I just feel like especially in the gym space there's just this this mentality that is not helping and Mm. and I wanted to kind of I guess be a part of changing that and so yeah I I changed how I showed up as a personal trainer I stopped listening to certain people um, that were telling me you know how I should run my business or how my body should look and I just focused on what my what felt good where my joy was and as a result I started to grow a really amazing little community and I was like oh okay this like feels really good okay like let's bring women together outside of the gym and we can just focus on not only moving our bodies but also things like gratitude and you know I really started to explore mental well-being and I help women you know improve their joy and create goals and that sort of thing and I just fell in love with it like I was like wow this is this is what is lighting me up and I found that when I went back into the gym space that that energy that light kind of dimmed Mm -hmm. and for me that was a that was a sign like again like just following my joy and following the the signs of my body and so I quit my job at Les Mills and I started Body Love so that was like kind of yeah I guess I did run a business before Body Love and that was as like a sole trainer as a personal trainer trainer but um, Body Love was the first like just me this is this is me running my business and like I didn't have any business coaching or business degree like I was really just doing a trial and error um but yeah I guess for me as I look back on my personal journey and my business journey they're so linked to each other you know as I started to learn more about mental well-being and more about self-worth I started to kind of let go of certain things that no longer served me and no longer served the business and what I I think one of the biggest things that I learned early on was the power of community like Mm. the the power of bringing women together and having shared values there's something magic that really that comes with that and you know, I think that it's so important that we do work on ourselves and we work on self-love and we do all of that. And, but we're also meant to be in relationship with others. You know, we're meant to, to grow and learn and influence and be influenced by those around us. That's just like a natural part of life. And so, yeah, I don't want to be so individualistic that I'm like, oh, it's like, me for me and and I've just got to work you know I also recognize the power of the people around me and that became incredibly evident um I actually asked just recently you know who who has met through my business whether it was body love or with wild or whatever it was doing and just the the messages that I received from women being like oh my god I met so and so at body love like five years ago or 10 years ago whatever it was and like we ended up living together or you know 
sister or she's now like my best friend. I see her every week. You know, there were so many messages from women that shared this. And I think that their understanding of the values and the community really, again, I was like, okay, I, I think it's time for me to let go of the the personal trainer identity because again like it's not really lighting me up as much as this this side of it is so I really kind of went all in on focusing on self-worth and and community and so that's kind of where Worthwild was created it was just about bringing like-minded women together and having that that focus on their their self-worth and I'm like really and and you can ask me specific questions of course but I'm kind of like just lightly going over it there's so much that is you know in in between that and uh, but ultimately that's that's what I'm focusing on now is is self-worth and connection so yeah it's it's been a wild wild journey there's been a lot of mistakes there's been a lot of hardship um and there's been just so much joy so yeah not mistakes learnings experiences (laughs) hashtag mindset (laughs) I just I love all of that and I actually wanted to draw so many parallels to what you said to kind of going back to the start of your story around you know the gym and the messaging and the mentality around look and all of those things like that is actually all exactly the same and applicable in the corporate world. Like I have a graduate program that I run with new grads. And one of the things that comes up time and time again is they're so impressionable to what success or to what they think success is in the corporate world, right? It's like, well, you need to dress this way and you need to look this way and you need to speak this way. and You need to you know, work this number of hours and you need to be this available and all these things because that's what's going to make you seem committed and make you seem loyal and make you seem worthy of promotion and, you know, recognition and all these things. And it's exactly the same. It's like 90, 99% of the time, those things are not aligned with values or joy for that individual person, but they do it because that's what they think they need to do in order to be successful. So everything that you shared, I was like, oh my God, that was my whole, you know, journey into corporate world, you know, and I worked in human resources. So like mine was like the typical corporate career. And like, it's, and and I guess like, this is the, this is a powerful thing about sharing stories like this. It's like, sometimes we think that, and I'm not saying that this was you. It's like, sometimes we think that this is our, like, I'm the only one experiencing this. So it's like, this only happens in corporate or like this only happens in hospo or whatever. It's like, actually, no, it's actually quite universal because of the conditioning that we have as society and the conditioning of capitalist, like the capitalist world that we live in. So yeah, and like the coming back to that self-worth and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit more and like values and actually personal identity of who you are as an individual and what does that look like for you to follow your joy? What is your joy? Like, you know, what is is it that you want from life that, we're, that it's not only when we start asking those questions that we realize, oh my God, I'm just, I'm following the herd, you know, I'm just doing what I think I should be doing. And that's when we're getting to our, that's what midlife crisis is. It's like, oh my God, what have I just spent the last 40 years of my life doing or 20 years of my life or whatever it might be? I, I so agree with that. I think there's like, there's so many like kind of mini crises in, in, in our life, like mm-hmm. and, and 
again like a, a, I guess a, it's a perspective because is it a crisis or is it just like a an a awakening, yeah, awakening. Yeah. whatever it is you know but I yeah just you hearing you say that I'm that is so true there's so many parallels I work with so many women that are in the corporate space and it's just it's reflected and I think that it's this for me it was oh how my body should look but also this idea of like I'm not smart enough that was Mm. that was another one of my limiting beliefs that I'm still working on on releasing and and unlearning but it's this I don't know enough I'm not enough so I need to cling on to you know people's opinions or you know people's rules or what people are telling me to do and actually it's just like the more that the more that I know myself and I think that knowing is really a core part of self-worth. The more that I know myself and know my my soul, my body, my mind, the more grounded I am in myself so that I can then go into the world and stand strong. It sounds so cliche, stand strong, but really it's it is about, you know, not being caught up in the the storm of everyone else's opinions and rules, but actually being like, this is who I am. This is what brings me joy. This is what's important to me. And here, here I am. And rather than being like, oh, what should I, how should I look? Or what should I do? Or what's going to make me look, you know, good or worthy or whatever it is. It's like, no, this is who I am. I think that really comes back to that, that strong sense of self-worth. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Well, We've thrown self-worth around like many times in this conversation already. And there's probably people being like, yeah, that's all great, Tasha and Courtney, but what even is that? So how do you define self-worth? So through all the work that you do through your own journey with it, like how do you actually define that? Like what would we be looking for, feeling, seeing, understanding? And why do you believe it's something we need to cultivate, nurture, and protect? I use those three words. They just like popped into my mind as I was writing this question. What is it and why do we need to cultivate it, nurture it and protect it? Mm, yeah, I, I really like the way you phrase that question as well. The, the nurture and the protect, it's just, that's so beautiful. But yeah, it, do you know what's I won't, funny? I won't trademark it. You can take it if you like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is that when you when you ask me this question, and normally with, with podcasts, I'm like, don't ask me any questions because I don't want to overthink it because I just, I'll, I'll like go through the answer and I'll be like, okay, I need to say this and I need to say that. And it's, yeah, I mean, that's my own stuff. But when I saw this question, I really got in my head. I was like, do I even know what self-worth is? And then I was like, oh my gosh, but you know, what's the difference between self-worth and self-love? And I was like, okay, breathe, Quartz. <laughs> we're both coaches and we're both humans. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I would never shy away from like the things that that I don't know or the things that make me feel nervous or I'll never shy away from my vulnerability because I think because I have a strong sense of self-worth, I know that other people's, my self-worth is not based on other people's opinions of me. So if someone's like, oh, you're like, you're stupid or you don't even know, or you know, all of those opinions. I'm like, that's okay. Everyone can have their own opinions because I know me. So yeah, just taking a breath and and it was really, it was really great to actually explore what does self-worth mean to me? And it is something that is thrown around. So for me, when I think about it, it's, it's the core beliefs that we hold about ourselves. And what I think is really important to know is that self-worth 
is different to worthiness. So worthiness is innate. It is you you are worthy from day dot right up until you die. You are worthy. There is there is nothing or no one that can tell you you are worthy, you are not worthy. And so worthiness is not something that can be taken away. So when I talk about teaching self-worth, I'm not teaching women how to be worthy. Like that's <laughs> that's not my job. That's that's already done. My job is to help people build a strong sense of self-worth. And so coming back to self-worth being the core beliefs that we hold about ourselves, it's really in the the core, the subconscious beliefs that we have about ourselves of what what we believe makes us worthy. So when you when you ask about, you know, what why is this important? Why is having a strong sense of self-worth important? What your level of sense of self-worth does is it creates like a a lower limit and an upper limit. So your level of self-worth you'll have your bare minimum of what you accept into your life and you will have your your upper limit so you'll have a ceiling to what you accept into your life and within that space so within the that lower limit and that upper limit is your familiar so in that space is like okay this is this is the level of love that I deserve. This is this is the level of um, wealth that I deserve. This is the the type of job that I deserve. This is the type of environment I deserve to be in. Everything, in terms of your sense of self worth, is between that lower and upper limit, and everybody's lower and upper limit is different. So, someone that has a, a low sense of self worth, their ceiling, their upper limit, is quite low it's like when you actually think about a ceiling like it is low and so what happens is if you say have a great opportunity that comes maybe it's a promotion or maybe it's a pivot in a job or maybe it's an opportunity to speak in front of a lot a lot of people but if deep down in your subconscious you don't believe that you are worthy of of love or worthy of growth or if you don't think that you are capable then what you will do is you will sabotage that opportunity you will either just straight out say no I can't do it I'm I'm not qualified enough or it, it may be a sabotage in the form of putting it off procrastinating you know like okay I'm there's that really amazing opportunity to speak and I know that I really, you know, I really want to do it, but subconsciously that low sense of self-worth of like, oh, I, I don't think that I'm capable. I don't think that I'm, you know, I don't think that I have anything, you know, valuable to say will then subconsciously below your consciousness, make you put it off. Hmm. Or you might even just say like, that's not for me. Whereas like, well, actually it is. You're, but your brain is being like, nope, that's scary. What if I fail? What if I do all those things? So it's like, we just blanket say, nope, that's not an option. 
Exactly. And so I think what's really important to note here is that sometimes it's happening on a conscious level of like, no, I, I don't want to do it. It's not for me right now. I'm too busy. And sometimes it's on a subconscious level. Maybe the body actually gets sick. Maybe, you know, it, it can happen as subconscious as that, where your, your body gets sick or you get exhausted or, you know, you have, a, I don't know, whatever happens. So it's like the self-sabotage comes in to bring you back down below and within those limits to what you perceive you are worthy of. So it's interesting. I'm I'm really noting, I'm very conscious of like my language and my thoughts because I've been doing this for so long, even just at the end of that spiel that I just gave you. I could feel myself going, does that make sense? Oh, that's a woman conditioning right there. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just, yeah, I'm, you know, again, like I said, I'm learning, I'm still in this, like I'm always going to be in this. I'm always going to be, um, yeah, in this space of, you know, working to improve my sense of self-worth and whatnot, but it's the, the catching. So mm. I know it makes sense. I, 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 I know it. No, it I, does. Yeah. And yeah. So. And like I, and this is like, and I love the distinction you made between worthiness and self-worth because like, even when you were explaining about the lower limit and the upper limit and, you know, the familiarity that we have in between, it's like your worthiness is you're worthy for the greatest things, for everything, for everything you ever want. Like the worthiness is like, you're worthy of all of that, but it's what you believe about yourself, which is the self-worth that dictates whether you genuinely believe the worth or not like that's that's how I kind of understood that and I really love that and it also made me think of the book The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks around like this because I think he shares six upper limits like the six upper limits that we which can be created through childhood you know like if we I mean diving into mindset is like a whole other topic of like a whole episode in itself but like so much of this like we know when I talk about mindset, it's like that's developed within the first eight to 10 years of your life. And we don't have the ability to critically think or critically question. We don't have that skill set yet. So everything's just being absorbed by what we're hearing, by what we're seeing, by what we're reading, you know. And so our sense of self-worth actually more often than not is not one we actually developed ourselves. It's something that was absorbed when we were younger that became our frame of reference you know, so even if we, and I guess this is like the powerful part around, we have the ability to change our level of self-worth. We have the ability to shift it when we start to critically question, when we start to go, well, is this upper limit really what I want to be defining my life by? Like, is, do I want to keep playing to this upper limit, you know, or do I want to keep believing that this is what I'm deserving of when actually innately I'm worth everything and more? Yeah. Right. And that's just like a whole other thing. <laughs> I mean, I know we're like going down so many routes, but I just absolutely love that. And and it's just this the the knowing that we can change and we can we can change our beliefs. And when we change our belief, again, like I can feel this cliche statement coming out, but it's like when you change your beliefs, you change your life. What you believe about yourself and the world around you becomes your reality. And so it's having that compassion first and foremost of, you know, it's not like you decided to to have all of these limiting beliefs and it's not like you handpicked them like at the supermarket. It was, it was passed down, whether that was from parents or caregivers or generations or systems or media, you know? And so 
at from a young age like you were saying it's like we're not we weren't consciously choosing them but the beautiful thing and again it is a perspective it can either be overwhelming and scary or it can be uh, an opportunity to to learn more about yourself and to grow and to look at okay that those beliefs may have served me at a certain point when I was younger or you know but right now in the life that I'm wanting to create for myself those beliefs are no longer serving me so I want to do something about it I want to change and you can you can absolutely grow your sense of self-worth it is totally possible and we'll talk to that yeah 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 and honestly just by being here listening to this podcast you listener you're already doing something so beautiful for yourself and you're already um opening yourself up to the possibility that you can you can grow so that's amazing go you (laughs) yeah and I love that I I really love that you mentioned even so quickly like media and you know like even when you said like handpicked at the supermarket and I was like and we actually talked about this very quickly before we hit record around the nature of the world now is actually the most detrimental for self-worth or maybe not detrimental but maybe the most challenging maybe the most challenging for self-worth. You know, my my very first episode is about how to thrive in the hardest era of work because of the nature of the world that we live in now. It is the hardest era of work that we're, you know, because nothing, we don't, we don't switch off anymore. Plus we're just inundated and consumed by everyone and everything because it's so available. Like when we grew up, we didn't have Instagram, Facebook and TikTok and Snapchat and whatever else there is. I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, like I'm barely keeping up with Instagram and and, yeah. uh, and LinkedIn. Um, but, you know, we didn't have this availability of comparison. Like we were literally comparing if we ever did with like Sandra at the playground. It's like, oh, she makes better mud pies than me. I better like up my game on my mud pies. You know, we like... I don't know. This was just me. I mean, I grew up in Africa. I spent my first 10 years in Africa. So very, you know, even more of a different environment. But I don't know, maybe you can speak a little bit to this from what you see in your program Lighthouse and the clients that you work with, like just the world that we live in now around like the influences, I guess. And this maybe also comes back to what you said around you know, we're we're village beings, we're community beings. That's part of human nature. It's how we survive. You know, if we think back to the primal brain, if we're alone, we're more likely to die and, you know, be killed. So we're very primal in the sense that we still react to things. But, you know, you mentioned it. there is a part of us that needs to be influenced by the people around, right? That we influence and are influenced. But there is also the dark side of that. Yeah right there's the there's the dark side of that so could you just talk a little bit about you know I guess maybe some of the things and maybe this actually comes back to the question that I posed to you in the outline around like what are some of the signals that we're possibly our self-worth is being influenced from the darker side of things I I, I don't like to use the word good or bad or right or wrong because I don't necessarily believe that to be true because what I might determine as bad for me may not be bad for someone else but it could be like using the word unhelpful, unsupportive, or slightly darker, you know, we're maybe not playing in the light. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on this? Like, what would you share with people of like, what to look out for? What are the signals of, yeah, maybe we're not nurturing or protecting our self-worth in the way that we need to be. 
So I guess when I think about media and and just the way that the world has evolved, it is like it's the wild west out there, you know. And I a thought that really serves me is that there is no there is no path that we can choose there is no way of living that we can choose that is without discomfort and without negativity you know and i think that when we look back on our parents generation or the generation before that like they had things that really served them and helped them thrive and then there were other parts of their life that were terrible and extremely inconvenient and then we think about the life that we're in right now yeah there specifically with media there is there is both good and bad to it there is both positive and negative there is both helpful and harming and it's always going to be that way moving forward there's going to be things that we you know love and that are super amazing for communities and self-worth and then there are going to be things that aren't so I guess I just wanted to start with that is that this whole idea of like this is bad and this is good like I like that you spoke to that because yeah I think that it's always going to be both and and so yeah that kind of helps me to be more accepting of what is and I can see with media social media for example that it has helped me with my self-worth in terms of just it's taught me so much you know like the the ability the access to information to be able to really specifically choose my virtual environment you know it's like I get to choose who I am exposed to and who I listen to and learn from. And that just that ability to be so conscious about what you are surrounded by um, is really powerful, especially if you use it. So that has really helped me. I've just learned so much about myself and about the world. Um, Another good thing has been that I have connected with people, you know, like even you and I just being able to just have this conversation right now. It's like because of social media, we mm-hmm. are able to have this conversation. And that's so beautiful. And I know that there has been so many times for both myself, but then also my community where we have taken those those connections that are found online that we wouldn't have found if we didn't have social media and then taken them in person. So it's not just connecting online, but it's also using that as a tool to help us connect in person. So those are just some of the beautiful parts of social media. And definitely because in my job, I focus a lot on social media. I have to have those thoughts. Otherwise I'll go bloody crazy. So definitely that has helped me. Now, the other side of it, as you as you refer to the dark side, the, yeah, there is absolutely parts of social media that are really hindering to the way that we feel about ourselves. Our, I think for me, when I speak of, to me personally, it's the, the overwhelming amount of information. You know, mm. it's like, do this morning routine or do this or don't do this or eat this or don't eat that or this is bad and oh no that's actually good and now it's bad and this is a trend and oh my goodness gracious me like my like oh my mind is an overwhelm of what is the right thing for me to do how can I what book what podcast like it's so it can be so overwhelming to the point where I 
definitely struggle with decision fatigue. Like I just like yeah, you just get into paralysis. You're like, I'm just not gonna make any decision. Exactly. And it's funny because that is also connected to like a low sense of self-worth. And and when I when I say sense of self-worth, like let's just look at it as a as a a constant kind of moving spectrum you know mm-hmm. like it's not just you either have a low sense of self-worth or you have either have a high self- sense of self-worth it's it's constantly kind of moving and it may be moving towards the lower spectrum and you kind of are realizing oh okay I need to sort my, my shit out or you know but it, it's not just one or the other I just want to kind of point that out but yeah I think that the decision fatigue is also a form of like sabotage and and because I'm overwhelmed by this I could do this and I could do that and I could do this I'm in this decision fatigue so like you said it's that paralysis so I don't do anything and the brain is like yes we won it's the easy option right exactly by you what we think it is I could do a b or c or d it's like you are overthinking and when you're overthinking you're not taking action and that to the brain is safe when you're not Mm. taking action when you're not putting yourself out there you are staying in your familiar zone you're staying safe so you don't take any risks and that to the brain is like is great you know like it wants you to not make any decisions it wants you to not take action because that what you know the brain perceives is safety Mm. yeah I think that um that's a huge part of you know the the hindrance and I I I guess the the comparison is is a whole nother ball game that we could definitely talk about in terms of like yeah what people what people choose to put out there yes like are we actually I'm actually going to do an episode on comparison but are we actually comparing to the whole picture or are we comparing to a slice to a slice of the pie right uh, but I really love, like, I just want to come back and just, just like kind of almost close off what you said around self-worth being a spectrum, you know, of like, it's, it's not a, I have low or I have high. And I think this comes back to a point you made earlier in the conversation where you said your self-worth was also impacted by the environments that you're in. And I think this is key and a key observation for people. This could also be a signal around, you know, what in what environments are you feeling the most stress and tension and then what is it within those environments that is causing that feeling because I also associate sometimes that bit like that lower sense of self-worth with lots of stress and tension and that could be coming back to the points that you made around um, the inability to make the decisions the inability to trust the decisions that you want to make the inability to stretch the inability to want to take on more you know or go beyond where you are yeah and that in some environments, like say with friends, you're way more willing to like be louder and be, you know, edgier and, you know, do those things because your sense of self-worth in that environment with your friends may be higher. Whereas you might be in a job where you, it's slowly draining your soul. And so, you know, you aren't trusting what you're doing. You're like, this feels off, but I'm not actually changing anything. And so then you may have a low sense of self-worth in that environment. And again, it's not, yeah, like I either have a high or a low. It's just actually recognizing where do I have high levels of self-worth? And maybe this comes back to the tips and maybe I'm jumping ahead a bit. But like in the environments where I do feel like it is higher, what is it about that that I can leverage or look at that is possibly missing? 
from mm. the environments where I don't have that or where I don't feel those things. And, you know, I think this, you know, like how can we leverage different aspects or like the different ways that we show up to bring us back into a whole authentic self so that we're showing up the same in all of those areas. Cause that's, that to me is like really harnessing self-worth in a powerful way is like, how do we show up the same in all areas? And not to say that, you know, certain situations may not ask different things from us, but ultimately we should always still be the same version of ourselves in all environments. I have so many things to say about this. Um, so the I think that for me personally, one of the pillars of, of success for me, and I think that it's important that we do all define our own versions of what success is, what happiness is, Episode two is all about that. <laughs> so go, go, go back and listen to that one. <laughs> is uh, that one of the, my pillars is that I am, that I show up authentically in all spaces of my life, you know? And I think some seasons I do that better than others. But when I look at right now, like someone, I, I, I ran a, a potluck for for the girls that I work with um I we we I brought them over to my house and we we had dinner together we watched a movie like it was beautiful and it was wholesome and one of the girls I I had met her like she'd done the lighthouse program so I really knew her but I'd never met her in person and she was just like oh it's just so amazing because like I just feel like you're the same person like you're the same person in person in your business like you know uh, on the weekends and it's just it feels really safe to me uh, you couldn't have given me a better compliment honestly like that that just like warmed my heart because that for me is being able to show up as I am in all in all spaces of my life authentically and I think that again like one of the big parts of like being able to be vulnerable you know it's like I'm I'm not perfect and I'm okay with that and I am happy to be like, I'm not sure about that, or I don't know about that, or I'm really sorry, or I did, you know, whatever it is, because I know I who I am, and I know my sense of self-worth. So when you're talking about, you know, I feel, I feel really confident in this area, but then, you know, maybe in this area, I'm not. So I, I think about, I work with a lot of women that are in corporate spaces, and sometimes people feel really confident in their relationships with their friendships with their partner but then they go into the workspace and they're they're really timid and they let people speak over them or they don't go after opportunities and sometimes it's the other way around where they're like an absolute boss in the you know in the workplace and they are you know really assertive and they don't they don't mind sharing their opinion, but then they are in their relationship and either they can't get into a relationship or they feel really codependent or, you know, and so it's really interesting looking at the dynamics of that. And I think a lot of it goes back to the way in which we identify ourselves. You know, it, it comes back to the identity identity piece of like, this is, this is who I am. This is, this thing outside of me is what makes me worthy. So my work ethic is what makes me worthy my ability to be a good friend is what makes me worthy so we we attach our sense of self-worth to something outside of us we outsource our self-worth to these these identities and again like whenever we outsource our self-worth it can be 
it's on rickety ground, you know, it can be taken away from us. So it's just really about coming back to ourselves, knowing ourselves, knowing our values, our definitions of success, and and then basically showing up from the inside out, not from the outside in. Oh, I was going to say, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, it does. Absolutely. And yeah, again, it's like, and this is like that self-awareness piece, like being aware of like who you are being day to day, like who, yeah, how are you showing up? How are you experiencing your environments? And then is that the way that you want to experience them? And what is the the gap? Like what's the gap from what I am experiencing or the way that I am showing up to the way that I really want to be. And that's also that identity piece is Atomic Habits, probably the best book of our generation uh, is, yeah, deciding on who you want to be, you know, and then proving it to yourself in in small ways. So, yeah, I really love that. Really love that. So two, I mean, we I, I feel like we could talk for hours. So, <laughs> but um, you have already shared, you know, quite a few things that you can do. Uh, but if you could just maybe share three, I guess, starter steps around, you know, if people are listening and they're like, oh, like, maybe I do need to do some self-worth work. Maybe I do need to, but it, like, how do I start? That doesn't feel overwhelming because as we know, if the brain, if something feels too big, if something feels too just uncomfortable, the brain's like, nope, <laughs> no, thank you. And also the brain loves to not use energy. So whatever can use the least amount of energy is great. Uh, so what are yeah three simple, I don't want to say easy because it's not easy. What are three simple things people could get started with to start cultivating? their self-worth start cultivating nurturing and protecting their self-worth absolutely okay well I'm going to start big and not simple and not easy and then I'll bring it down into the three steps so (laughs) so the one thing in terms of working on your your self-worth is about cultivating a, a relationship with yourself that that is what it comes back to. And, you know, if you're ever in doubt, if you're ever in like, oh, these these tips didn't help, of course, like just come back to what is what is a healthy, thriving relationship look like? Like just if you were, if you got a million dollars to answer that question, you would find answers. Okay, what is a healthy relationship? When I think about me being in a relationship with somebody, somebody else, what makes that healthy? Okay, I'm thinking off the top of my head, trust. I think that that having that sense of trust, respect, 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 absolutely. Communication, kindness, quality time, affection, forgiveness. When you think about what it means to be, even like how you want to be treated with that forgiveness, with you want to, you want to be able to have fun with some, someone you want to, you want someone to, yeah, like you said, respect you. So Thinking about it like that on the big scale of things, so really zooming out and being like, how do I work on my self-worth? Treat yourself like you are in relationship with yourself because you are. You are in relationship with yourself. So think about how am I speaking to myself? How, okay, how can I respect myself? Respect to me may be different to what respect to you looks like, but for me, I'm like, respect, how do I respect myself? Well, I move my body. I follow through on commitments. If I say I'm going to do something, I do it. Yep. I I have my boundaries. I I feed I feed my body um, nourishing food. I 
stretch it, I move it, I rest it, you know, when, and, and that's obviously more on a physical level, but it's, so yeah, just thinking about ways in which you can be in a relationship with yourself. So that's kind of a zooming out. When I zoom in and thinking about specific tips, one of the first things that I go to is journaling. And again, this might not be this might not be simple. So we may need to even like zoom in a little bit more because I know that some people are like, can't journal, you know. And so then there's a whole thing with that. Maybe to keep it as simple as possible is having one question that you that you ask yourself every day for 30 days. And that question might be, what do I need today? Could we keep it that simple? What do I need today? And just do that every day for a month, like just, or for a week, you know? So try, I'm trying to zoom in as much as possible, but really what journaling is about is being in communication with yourself. So much of our life has been spent on focusing outwards what do they think of me how how do I look like or how do I look in this environment do they like me what do they need you know and it's very much outwards focused and so we've spent so much of our life outwards that we don't know who we are you know we don't we actually don't know what makes us happy and we don't know how we're feeling and so if you struggle to answer that question that's okay offer yourself compassion because it makes sense you've spent so much of your life worrying about how other people feel and if other people are okay and if other people are looked after it makes sense that when you actually come back to what do I need what makes me happy and the first thought is I don't know that's okay that's so natural and believe me it's not going to be forever if you just mm. coming back to yourself keep coming back to the conversation you have with yourself maybe the first thing of day one what do I need today and your answer is I don't know that's okay like just let that be the answer that's okay and then next day you might say okay I'm going to sit here for a couple more minutes and see if anything else comes up and if it doesn't that's okay you know and I think we we have this idea of like doing this work it needs to be perfect and it needs to feel good and it needs to feel transformative and you know and we put all these expectations on it and when it when it doesn't meet those expectations then we think that we're doing it wrong or we think that it's not for us and so we stop Mm. so that would be my suggestion is just to like yeah practice compassion alongside that that's that journal prompt Um, I love that and one more tip yeah okay one more tip um Okay, it would be, oh, okay, I'm going to give you two, but really quickly. So the the next one would be to, to be in stillness with yourself, whether that is meditation or visualization or just literally locking yourself in a cupboard while your kids are creating chaos outside, putting your noise cancelling headphone on and just sitting for one minute, or maybe it's going out in nature with no music, no, no body, um, whatever you can do to create some stillness in every day, that that would be amazing. Maybe you start with one minute. Honestly, and I know it's the small steps. We no. don't underestimate the small steps. Underestimate it. People think, what's that going to do? Nothing in one day, but over time, it will change your goddamn life. So, be in stillness, 
And what that does is it helps you to connect back to yourself. How is my body feeling? What is going on in my mind? So again, it's about reconnecting with yourself. And then the third one would just be to seek seek learning, whether that's through a coach or a podcast or a book, but expand your your knowledge, your understanding of of yourself, of this work, of a specific theme by learning. That's again like growth is another one of my core values. So maybe that's just like something that really serves me. Um, but yeah, I would say journal learning stillness beautiful I love that and I would I would just tack onto the end of the learning one like intentional learning like scrolling Instagram looking at quotes is not learning <laughs> like yeah. you know intentional learning around this is something I'm using to feed my brain to help it you know expand or to help deepen that connection with myself I love it amazing okay yeah, we could talk for hours. So we're just going to wrap it up there. I might need to bring you back on and, and talk about some more stuff. But this was so amazing. So wonderful. So I've got three staple questions that I ask every guest to answer. So quick fire questions. Uh, what is your number one energy filling practice that you do consistently? Number one energy filling practice would be movement. Yeah. It's what keeps me sane. Yeah. I, I think the, the, for the way that it makes my body look or even body feel is a secondary. And I'm not going to say, I don't care about the way that my body looks or anything like, no, I, I'm still human. That's still there, but it's a secondary primary motivation is my sanity and my mental well-being. That is why I do it. Beautiful. Perfect. What is one mindset reminder you focus on to boost your confidence? Mindset reminder. Um, the, the first one that comes to, to mind is that, everyone's gonna die you know like for me <laughs> for me I know that that's like what but for me death inspires me to live mm, love that knowing that it's it's all gonna be over and I don't know how long I've got it helps me to just like do the thing do the thing that scares me put myself out there like get over it forgive love you know, be courageous because this all ends soon. So yeah, that might not be for everyone, but it helps me. <laughs> yeah. And it's something I actually talk about quite a lot with my clients. It's like, we underestimate the longness of life and we overestimate the shortness of life. Maybe I've got the wrong way around, but essentially like we, we think we've got so much time. So it's like, oh, I, I'll just stay in the shitty job or like, oh, I'll just stay in the relationship where I'm not feeling love and connection. Oh, I'll just continue to be treated badly by friends or whatever, because it's like, oh, I've got tomorrow. I've got next week or I've got next month. And yes, there's truth in that. But also, you know, you're you're robbing yourself of the opportunity of feeling all the things you want to feel right now. Yes. You know, because we're, yeah, we're overestimating that longness. Yeah. See, so yeah, I love that. Really love that. It it it, it just hits at home. I love there's so many things I want to say on that, but yeah, we'll we'll have to <laughs> have another chat. <laughs> we'll we'll do another one. Yeah. Um and then the last one is what's one boundary that you uphold that supports you to be your best? Hmm. Boundary that I hold would be I am intentional about when I respond to people's messages so I used to feel an overwhelming amount of guilt 
for not responding to everyone straight away. And the the form of sabotage came in the avoidance where I was like, oh my gosh, I feel overwhelmed. And so the way that I'm going to deal with this is I'm going to avoid. And then that obviously made me feel even worse. So now I realize actually courts, you know what? Nobody is entitled to your time just because they message you, just because they send you an email, just because they send you a message, just because they call you. It doesn't not mean that you need to respond straight away. And so just being being really clear and open about that with like, I'm really clear about that with my clients and I'm really clear about that with my friends um, or just everyone in my life. I'm, I'm saying, you know, I will get back to you when I can or when it feels good for me. Don't take it personally. It's just me protecting my energy because again, social media, we've got emails and DMs. We've just got more platforms to communicate on, which is again, what creates overwhelm and burnout. Yeah. Yeah. So just doing all of that um, is just, it's too much. And and even like people asking for advice and, and the DMs, I, I'm just, I'm really clear about it. I'm like very clear. I'm like, I don't, I'm, I won't respond if I don't have the capacity to and I don't give advice in the DMs. And what that allows me to do is be my best self for the people that matter to me, like my clients and my my loved ones, you know. So it sounds harsh, but it actually enables me to be my best self for for the people that matter. No, I love that. And, you know, that's like the number one excuse of like, oh, I don't want to be mean or like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to seem rude where it's like, well, what's worse? You not giving the energy you want to give in that interaction versus just not giving the interaction right now until you have the capacity to be in it. Like, you know, again, is that really about them or is that really about you? Like, you don't want to be mean to them, but is it you don't want them to think that you're mean? Which like, again, it, that's the self-worth piece, right? It's like you're worried about what they think about you, but you make it, you you tell yourself it's about them when it's yeah, not. Yeah, you're, outsource, you're outsourcing your self-worth on like their opinion of you. Mm. And one last thing on boundaries, people say, I don't know how to set boundaries. No, you do know how to set boundaries because you've literally just said, how do I say blah, 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 blah to this person? It's not that you can't set boundaries. It's that you are trying to control how somebody receives a boundary. And so that's the work that we need to be doing, not on the actual you know, clarification of the boundaries. You're great at that. We just need to work on allowing people to feel their feelings and you managing your own feelings. As mm. Yeah, again, that's a yeah. Whole other. <laughs> as, yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. I really love that boundary. I also have it on my email, like on my email signature where it's like my, my availability. And I, you know, I share that the days that I work, the fact that I'm blending my business, being a wife, being a mum to a one-year-old, which is hectic uh you know and I will reply when I can and I also have in my email it's like if I reply outside of the norm of Monday to Friday eight to five I do not expect a reply I'm replying when it works for me and it may not work for you so again it's like you know replying at 9 p.m may be the time that I have available on that day to get to things but I do not expect anyone to ever reply to me at 9 p.m unless it's also their time that they're you know but anyway that is like a whole other thing so we're going to finish that there because otherwise we'll talk for another 50 billion years so thank you so much Courtney that was just absolutely amazing it lived up to what I knew it would so how can people connect with you 
Yeah. Um, so I'm very active on the gram. So my Instagram handle is at worthwhile.co. I'm also playing around on the Tiki Tok, but yeah, I think that's at Worthwhile Coach um, on TikTok. Amazing. And we'll put those in the show notes as well, along with your website. And we'll also reference in the show notes the two books that we two books, Atomic Habits and The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Uh, I know I just said those off the cuff, but people may want to have a look at those. So thank you so much, Courtney. If you have enjoyed this episode, please reach out to either Courtney or myself. Let us know what you thought. If there's anything else that you would love me to talk to Courtney about or anything that she may be said that you want us to expand on, please let me know and I will bring her back on. But again, thank you so much, Courtney. I know people are going to get so much value from this. And as we mentioned, no matter what profession you're in, no matter what you know life phase you're in right now, there's something that you can absolutely take away from here because self-worth is applicable in every area of life. So yeah, let us know what you thought. And thank you again, Courtney. I think you will definitely be back because I feel like we've got many hours more of chats to, to come. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lead With Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, Tash Peterson. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, each month, one lucky reviewer will get a 45-minute one-to-one coaching session with me where you will get the tools and strategies to lead with less burnout, overwhelm, and self-doubt. And if you know anyone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share this with them and help me reach as many confident professionals as possible.